Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We are just hours away from Tesla's big reveal of its new crossover SUV, but will it live up to the hype? Fast Money friend Gene Munster will be here. Check out shares of GE surging today, and believe it or not, the stock is on track for its best quarter ever. Jim Cramer just sat down with the comeback kid, Larry Culp. We will hear what he said. But first, this just in, Apple launching a new advertisement all about privacy. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco with the details. Hey, Josh. So, Melissa, Apple just now introducing a new commercial focused on privacy. It's going to roll out across the U.S. It's going to run through March Madness, I'm told. With this focus on privacy, what you're seeing is Apple really trying to hammer home what it sees as just a key differentiator for the company, that it sells hardware, not advertising, like Google and Facebook. And the implication being that Apple can be trusted, of course, with your data privacy. We know that's an issue that's front and center for investment investors and consumers. Of course, the New York Times just reported this week interestingly that prosecutors are conducting a criminal investigation into data deals that Facebook made with 150 companies, including Microsoft, Amazon, and Apple, though Apple will be quick to point out that its users always had to grant explicit permission before sharing photos or contacts with the social network. And by the way, more Facebook news here today. Its chief of product, Chris Cox, is leaving the company. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks so much. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Okay, so is playing Apple a dangerous game touting itself as the privacy company at the same time it's pivoting into uh, the services business? I mean, this could sort of be a thorny mm. issue, right? If they're collecting more and more data, they're more reliant on these services here. And right now they want to go out and be out in front as the privacy company. Don't you think it's better to get ahead of it now, though, than six months to nine months from now when it potentially is a problem? So good for them, I think, for getting in front of them. And I think and Tim will agree with this, and Tim's been all over this. I think it puts Facebook right back in the crosshairs. And to me, Facebook is the biggest story tonight. Listen, the move from 145 when they reported earnings back in late January to 170 th- took a lot of people by surprise, myself included. But I still think there's huge existential risk there. Listen, valuation compelling, absolutely. Is there headline risk? Without question. And I'm one that believes the stock trades right back to the levels we saw in late January, which is give or take 150. So, uh, in fact, I wrote about this in an op-ed on CNBC. But the, 2018. The, 2018. Very the companies that give you that use technology to help make your experience better and enable you, whether it's hardware or uh, certainly that's Apple. I think that's Amazon. Um, I actually think investors give a premium to those companies. I think companies that actually where technology is actually something uh, where they're almost using us is a dynamic that I think we're facing. And Facebook's absolutely wrestling with that. I think Google is wrestling with it on, on a different level. We also know that Google is an, an to me it's an invaluable tool on the internet for many people. But the bottom line here is I think Facebook. If you look at the stock, um, we're around 170 on the stock. It's rallied back. 
significantly off the floor. It's come back to a level that effectively it stalled out at even on a rally back off the worst of the news uh, over the summer last year and really on their earnings announcements. And for me, this is a company in transition. It doesn't mean that their top line isn't extraordinary. It doesn't mean that it's not a great valuation. But I will go on to say that Facebook has continued to underperform tech, which has been the place to be for the last two years. And that's with or without some of these these headlines. Uh, Facebook underperformed in the session. It is down another 1.8 percent, presumably on these departures. So how important is the is the loss of these executives? Uh, I, listen, I think the most important thing is that we have Sheryl Sandberg and then we have Mark Zuckerberg in place. I think obviously a 10 year veteran leaving and the way he left and that statement was very interesting. He does not seem excited about the direction which this company is going. Um, I think Facebook has probably topped out for a little bit. The stock is like you guys just said, had a really big run. I want to go back to that privacy statement by uh, Apple. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. We saw Tim Cook kind of pick fights with Mark Zuckerberg at periods last year when Mark was going in front of Congress and that sort of thing. You know, let's remember that Apple is going to have multiple, like this is going to be the third consecutive year where Apple iPhone units are not growing, right? And we know that services is a really important thing, but it's also really important to have value-added services from other suppliers. Keeping, picking fights with, you know, uh, Facebook and Google, which pays them $12 billion a year to be the default search engine on the Safari browser on their phone. I just don't see the upside of kind of getting in there and spitting yeah. in their face a little bit to me because they're all going to be lumped in together and Apple needs to keep this hardware, which is not growing, something that people want to use frequently. I was, I was thinking the same thing. What is the upside in terms of how much do they gain in terms of customer loyalty and or, you know, are you going to subscribe more to Apple services because you, you think that they are a privacy company? I, I, I and, and will they lose, to Dan's point, will they lose some of the people who pay them money? right, that they depend on. They could certainly lose them, but I think that if you listen to Katie Huberty, and she's one of the people who up, upgraded Apple today in terms of what she thinks going to the future and talks about Apple and 197 Target is the same target, but I think, Mel, it's, it's interesting because Apple finds himself in a spot where I think Tim Cook wants to separate himself, and he wants to say, hey, look, we are the privacy place to be. And I, it just seems like that's up to dance. But what, is, what does he gain from it? What well, do you think I, you, you gain? I think that as they build out their systems, and I think their systems are going to continue to change over the years. I mean, we, we, we all know now services is big. I mean, th- the services is becoming closer and closer to a 15, 20% of the revenues. And now wearables. And that was the big point from Katie Huberty today is just the incredible growth that they have in wearables right now is unbelievable. And some of the record numbers that they're putting out there. So I think with the 1.4 billion users that they've got, active devices, rather that they've got they just want to separate themselves from the rest. And this is just one way that I think Apple yeah, can do I, it. I took her note. It was all about China. I mean, they were saying that. They're... That was part of it. There's no, no like, doubt. I she mean, talked like... about stabilization and the yeah. fact that the market share thing. Absolutely. And why was that? Because in January, February, the prices came down and people decided they they were willing but, but, to buy. But, but, a- Apple has made a major stand a few times in the last few years, whether it's been terrorist events where we've had phones that needed to be unlocked. I mean, yeah. Apple's been out there um, fighting for your privacy. Yes. And, and I think there's an absolute difference in perception of how Apple Apple uh, is there to to represent the interest not only okay. of, of their clients but but the people that actually. Hey, Mel, I got, on the Facebook story, which I think is fascinating. We got the earlier story of the investigation. Suddenly, the stock's down, right. but it's only down two percent, give or take, during the day. A little less than two percent. Now you're down another, call it two percent. And it's interesting if you go back to January, Zuckerberg has been butting heads with that group at WhatsApp since. I don't know how far back, but he was very vocal about it in January. He said he did not want the ecosystems to all be one. And that's the fight that he got from the chief officer as well as the VP. So 
The fact that they're leaving, I, I kind of wonder, no, is, the, is that is the reason? This is a 10-year veteran of Facebook. This guy is buddies with Zuckerberg. The, the, he might be buddies, but they have totally different views on how they all do, they do this. All of a sudden they do. This year they do. Right. The, 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 this, is what, this is the story. It's not that the WhatsApp guy who cashed out for $19 billion right. five years ago left in a huff this year because he didn't like what they did to it. I think this these the guys guy are leaving in a huff. Lockstep with Zuckerberg right up until He was until year. the fact that he wants to mesh these systems and the folks... Let's, let's be honest. We all know. Is Instagram the same people as Facebook? Really not, right? I mean, Instagram... Mean users, the, the right, users. Right. Th- those are the same folks that are actually Snap competitors, right? I mean, each one of these silos has competition. And because of... And different so types of folks. So you think it's folks. a bad sign? Oh, I don't think it's a bad sign. Think I think this thing. is Zuckerberg saying, hey, you know what? You guys are stuck. You think we should get all these systems together? I don't want to do that. So let's part ways and it's all good. So, it's a, so it smooths the way for this right. uh, integration, Yes, if you believe that that is the right thing to do. Yeah, so back to Apple now. So we're going back and forth. You know, we make fun of me almost every night because I'm getting night. older. And when you I get mean, to be my it, age, what time is it? when you're not oh, here, we, we make fun we of you. We haven't made fun of you. It's almost dinner time. It's actually time. This is actually making fun of you, though. But you know what you do at my age often? You go to the doctor. Why do you bring that up, guy? I'm glad you asked, Mel, because, you know, maybe Apple getting in front of the whole. I mean, if they're going to get into the medical side of things, in a major way. This is an interesting way to get ahead of all the privacy concerns that are going to come with the wearables and the HIPAA laws and what have you. So maybe so they have there's some genius that. in there. Right. What does being the privacy company get Apple in terms of valuation? From an well, investor standpoint, what do you gain from Apple going out there saying we are the privacy company? Well, first of all, I, I think it keeps people a lot more loyal when it comes to refresh, and there's, there's an enormous amount of competition in handsets that are much, much cheaper. So first of all, I think that's very clear. Uh, but services business is where you get the multiple, right? So that, that is where we're trying to figure out, um, should Apple be trading at 12 times? Should it be trading at 16 times? And in fact, you should probably be breaking up your multiple in two different pieces. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what the street is now doing. So um, I, look, I think when it comes to services, we've raised, the, we've raised the valid point, which is that Apple is trying to make this why you go to Apple and stay within the ecosystem, and I think that yeah. deserves a multiple. And I would just add that the only people that really care about privacy are the regulators. Advertisers don't care, and users don't care. They've shown us that. Well, this stock got cratered last year, 35%, peaked to trough. They didn't lose advertisers. They barely lost a- Facebook, active yeah. users. So, I mean, really, this is something that I think the uh, regulators are very interested in. Investors, not yet. Well, so I think the, most, the, the key yeah. element for me is this whole retention idea, and I think Tim's exactly right. Why do people, why are they willing to, and everybody always asks this question, why, is, why am I going to buy the Apple phone versus this phone? I think a lot of that has to do with who Apple is and what they stand for, and the fact that they separate themselves away from the crowd. Because of that, there's a lot of different reasons, but when you look at retention, it's 92 plus percent for Apple phones. I mean, that says a lot, right? Also, I mean, let, let's just let the, mark, the market decides. So, I mean, what we said, sure. Facebook's traded cheap for, for two, three years. You, you, whatever you want to call this, everyone says, oh, it's so cheap. Guess what? It's cheap for a reason. So is probably Google. I mean, the, the market is voting with a multiple on these companies. A multiple that are, discount the, for the privacy issues. Of course issues. they are, yeah. because they can't even solve them. So th- that's what people do, and I think investors have so been does, right to do that. Does Apple have a multiple premium, and it doesn't? I mean, it, most people would say that it's cheap, including cash. But does Apple gain anything in their valuation because they are a privacy company? I, I, I think mean, if the reverse is true, so, I'm just wondering. Can, can we just talk about one thing? So what is Zuckerberg trying to do? He's trying to put these together. He's trying to be like WeChat. We're in China now, and they've shown us by slowing iPhone sales there, they have less than 10% market share. You know, they want to be a value-added software platform, not really caring, being agnostic to the hardware for all intents and purposes. So to me, I actually think that's really the most important takeaway of the last couple of weeks. 
weeks. I think Zuckerberg, they tried hardware once. It never really worked. They're going their own route here. Um, and I don't think they really care going forward where you use their services because it's going to be this kind of closed garden for them. Our next guest says tech is still safe to buy. And if you miss the run, there are two names that you can still play for a catch up. Let's go off the charts of fun strats. Rob Slimer, he's over at the Plasma. Rob, take it away. Great. Thanks, Melissa. Listen, I think it's going to start to get really interesting here as we move into the second quarter. There's a lot going on. The market's kind of a long way uh, to the upside. Let's just take a look at the S&P. And we've had this 20% bounce. We're into all that resistance around 28.15, 28.20. Everybody's focused on that number. But the key point that investors need to be focused on is that we are still in a much bigger secular bull market coming off that 200 week. We think this was a major cycle low we saw in December. So even though the market's up a long way and we're getting into these levels where we're going to start to see some churn in some of these stocks, having the, given the run they've had, there's still names that we want to buy. Let's take a look at the queues. Uh, tech has uh, obviously been leadership. It continues to be leadership. When we look at this long-term relative performance profile, it's still building to the upside. And even though we've had a pretty big run here in tech, uh, it's come off that 200-week moving average. So we still remain very bullish on technology as a leadership area. But as the discussion has just uh, progressed through, a lot of these stocks have run a long way. We've seen software go up an incredible amount. Cloud stocks, 5G stocks, IT service names have all had a huge pop. But some of these laggards, like Apple, which haven't moved that much, we think are really timely. And the key point here, again, when we look at the move off that 200-week that we had back in 2016 and back in 2014, and here again, we think that's a major cycle low. This is a stock that just moves to a period of contraction and then acceleration, and we think we're in one of those periods. And when we look at this relative performance in here, it's just starting to, to turn up. So as many of the leader stocks start to show, uh, slow down and consolidate as we get into the second quarter, we think Apple's a really timely name at current levels. Now, looking at some of the other FANG names, some of them haven't, produ- uh, haven't uh, performed as well either. But we think Netflix is pretty timely here at current levels. It's bouncing around that 200-week moving average. It hasn't moved as far. It's consolidating. It looks to us like it's just getting ready to go. Those are two names within the tech space. They're laggards. They're big. They're liquid. We think you can add uh, more capital to those names. All right, Rob, why don't you come on over? Shelby will bring the chair over. Thank Where's you, Where's the Shelby. music? Yeah, Where's the music? No, Calvin, that's very Long quiet. Long story, but we are not permitted oh, to play oh, that music. Oh, so instead, hey. listen to this. We have fake game show music. game show music. It's, it's fake groovy. game show music. It's groovy. Nice. All right. It's not fantastic. And, and Rob got to hear it firsthand. Oh, first really, we really let them behind the curtain on that, Mel. I mean, that was some inside you know, baseball so People like to money. see behind the curtain of Fast Money. Sometimes it's, you don't sometimes but, it's you know, ugly. look. Yeah, I know. Sometimes you don't want to see. It's like watching the sausage being made. Rob, you mentioned software just a little bit. That's been an outperformer. Um, this year, huge outperformer. It sounds like you think it's going to roll over? I think it's going to pause here. You look at some pause. of these names okay. that have had. I mean, some of these stocks have gone up so fast, so so quickly. We're getting into the end of, sec- end of the first quarter, going into the second quarter. We've got earnings coming up. I wouldn't be surprised to see some pullbacks and pauses. But the key point, again, if we look at the big cycle, what we see happening, these are opportunities to add to these names. They're clear leadership. We came off the lows in 2000, late 18, early 19, and they resumed their leadership. So there's not a lot of evidence yet that that's rolling over. It's just a function of timeliness. And as traders, I think you'd see some, of the, uh, some, some people take profits on some of these names after they've run up. We want to be adding to those names. 
Hey, so Rob, the, the S&P 500 chart, we just looked at it. It made a new multi-month high the other day. It's obviously come in a little bit. What do you make of the Russell 2000? Obviously, that led. It outperformed on the way up off yep. the lows in December, and now it seems to be a little weaker on a relative basis. Well, what does that mean to you? Let's put it in the context of other things that have pulled back. We saw some semiconductors pull back, like uh, semi-cap equipment names. We saw lumber pull back, oil paused, uh, emerging markets paused. To me, it's all a function of that risk on is starting to take a break and pulling back. I actually think it's really healthy. I don't think it's failing. I think it's just rotation. You're getting money moving into some areas that are leading. I actually think that a lot of these names that are pulling back are really timing. I think Semicap Equipment, for example, is a, is a perfect example of a group that's rallied, pulled back, and looks like it's getting ready to go again. So I think you're going to see a lot of rotation going in the second quarter. I think small caps come back on. Rob, broader market. I thought the S&P was going to fail a while ago, but 2,800, everybody talks about being a huge level. Yeah, we've been here now for almost probably three weeks. Yeah. And one of the things I say, market doesn't give you a long time to sell effectively the high. Does that mean we're going higher from here? I think we get a marginal pullback, some consolidation. If you go back to 2016, the second quarter, we ripped off those lows, and then we traded sideways for two months. I think we've got another two months ahead of us of just sloppy, rotational environment. People aren't going to sell the market. They're going to rotate into areas that have been lagging. It's one of the reasons why I like Apple. I don't think you've got a lot of downside in the equity market. Robert, uh, looking at Netflix again, you, you pointed out you think the consolidation is, is actually a pathway to break out. Uh, my, my view is it's a company that really peaked in the, in the first kind of third of last year and has been struggling ever since. And I obviously have a fundamental view. There's an enormous amount of competition. Um, couldn't that chart be telling you, I mean, while the market, it's, it's underperformed the market in that period. It has. And you could be, you could be very well right on this. Uh, so many names peaked in the first quarter of 2018. Huge bear markets, rebounds. I think, again, if we look at that as a, in terms of a 12-month bear market, a cycle low at the end of the year, a big rebound and a pause, I think it goes higher. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure we'll debate this later on. Mm. Rob, thank Thanks. you. Good thank to see you. Rob Slimer of Fundstrat. Meantime, we were mentioning software. Check out two of uh, the hottest software stocks so far this year. Oracle and Adobe both lower after reporting earnings moments ago. We'll bring you the latest details. Plus, no end in sight for Boeing as its uh, 787 MAX fleet is grounded around the world. So what is Wall Street saying about the stock now? The answer might surprise you. We'll explain. In General Electric jumping today, CEO Larry Culp promising 2020 will be better. And he just sat down with Jim Cramer moments ago to tell him why. We'll bring you those details. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close? or travel somewhere far away. At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Boeing still dragging today as the airplane maker continues to deal with the aftermath of Sunday's deadly plane crash. Its 737 MAX fleet is grounded worldwide with an unknown timeline of when it will get back in the air. But Wall Street doesn't seem to be changing its bullish stance on the stock. 83% of analysts still have a buy rating on Boeing and several firms putting out notes saying they don't think the trouble will last. Analysts from Macquarie, for instance, say the impact is likely to be minimal. Bank of America maintaining a buy rating for the stock. City adding that short-term events in the airline sector turn out to be buying opportunities. So 
Do you go ahead? Is it safe to own the stock, Tim? Well, the things for Boeing right now is you evaluate, first of all, we don't have all the news. This is a horrible tragedy, and no one is making light of that. But but uh, if anything, we're talking about delays in deliveries on Max in a, on the Max 737. If anything, you're talking about a dent into free cash flow, which is really the story of the stock. Uh, and I don't think that that changes dramatically. So therefore, I think as analysts have a chance to, to kind of roll up their sleeves, really look at the numbers, look at deliveries, and look at the next two quarters. Uh, I think, actually, the impact is relatively muted. That is without a series of lawsuits and, and, and frankly, news that we don't know what we're going to get. Uh, we will remind everyone that Boeing's safety record is, is, is extraordinary for decades, um, and that the, ones in, the, the, the event in 2013 and even the event in 1988 were ones where the market actually did not punish the stock. But even more so in, in to the point of the liabilities and what they might have to reimburse airlines for, the balance sheet is pristine so far, and they do have revolving credit lines open, so they are able to tap into those should, should the event happens where it needs to. Right. And, and Tim points out that it's probably more of a dent than any kind of like absolute hole in terms of free cash flows. And th- this is a company that has been absolutely just cranking along, and now they've obviously got some stuff that they've really got to get cleared up. The liability issue could be more more than we know. We won't know more for the next couple of months, I wouldn't guess, at least. But it's something where, you know what, you've got to still look at the stock and examine what they are and who they are. And we talk about it all the time about them dominating the industry. Well, they still do. And there will be some changes and probably software changes that they're going to have to pull off. So that's something that's out there. But I think there's an opportunity there, Mel. I haven't bought yet. That option volume that we were, volatility we talked about yesterday, still there, very inflated. Come in a little bit. But why wouldn't you do exactly what you said well, to do yesterday, which is buy the stock here, and sell calls against it's it? It's a great strategy. I love it. Here's the uh-huh. problem. The stock was 295 not that long ago and ran all the way up to 460 and here we are at 385 If I can get $20 for that call, it's a lot of money. That protects me down $20 from where the stock is today. Right. Problem is... I'm not positive that that's going to be it. enough at this point in time. Yeah, Yeah. I guess the question is, is what percentage of those future orders are 737s and how long does this take to, you know, to you know, right now expectations for 26% year-over-year EPS growth in 2019. That seems pretty unlikely. If you're relatively bullish, you'd say, all right, well, a bunch of that's going to be pushed out into 2020. They're going to make it back when they fix this. But again, Pete, what you just said, the stock was 295 in late December. So I'm looking at the thing at three. It's filled in that earnings gap. And I say to myself, I don't know why you have to be a hero right now. It's just basically replaced that entire move since they reported earnings in January. In the meantime, you have uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, traveling in Africa, saying, you know what, Ethiopia, buy some Airbus. You know what, Chinese, buy some Airbus. He's pushing it. When you're highly educated, you can say Macron like you do. It's beautiful. It's really wonderful. It's a good thing I'm not Gomez Adams or we'd have a problem on this show. That being said, know you know, the Adam's family, I got, yeah. I know, but you spoke, Just keep going. spoke French. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, so oh. you would be. Okay. I said so we'd have a problem. It would be exciting for you. Now, if Southwest it. Air could pick up the phone to Airbus and say, hey, you know, instead of those 35 737 Max 8s, we want 35 A320s. That would be make Boeing very vulnerable to the downside. But they can't because there's a five-year backlog there. So there's no, they can't go anywhere, really. So I think, and like most analysts, I think this is a 30 to 45-day thing. I don't know that, but that's probably what it takes. I think the stock is at a level where it does make sense in terms of where we were December 24th and where we just were a couple weeks ago. And I think on valuation, you buy it. I don't think this is going to be, again, 
I don't think this is going to have that much of a deleterious effect going forward for Boeing, in my opinion. You are educated. Deleterious. That's good. That's a great job. For more on Boeing and uh, the other industrial stocks, Wall Street's watching, go to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Oh, Yes, shares of Snap are surging after one bearish Wall Street analyst is changing his tune. And it has one of our traders pounding the table. Plus, Tesla, 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 Tesla. That's right. As Tesla battles with the SEC, Elon Musk is gearing up to unveil its newest electric vehicle tonight. Will Musk get the last laugh? Ha <laughs> ha, that's hilarious. We've got those details. Much more Fast Money after this. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. GE jumping today. CEO Larry Culp saying 2019 will be a tough year for the company, but things will improve in the coming years. And investors, they seem to be buying it. The stock's on track for its best quarter ever. And Mad Money's Jim Cramer just sat down with Larry Culp a few moments ago. Here's what he said. I think for the average person, particularly anybody who holds our stock, they know we have a host of issues. No shortage of opportunities, but we have a, a number of problems we need to work through this year. What reset means, Jim, is this is the year that we share with the world mm -hmm. what those issues are and the plan that we talked through today as to how we're going to address them. It's going to take some time, and we won't be finished come New Year's Eve. Okay. But if you give us a little bit of time, we'll, I think, make a lot of progress. Pete, where do you go on G? Key words are, he said, we need a little bit of time. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm more of a trader than an investor. Okay. I've got some investments, absolutely. But um, I don't know why I have to position in GE right now. These guys, when you look at the cash burn, it's going to be unbelievable in just about every category that they've got. They still have the debt issues. He talked about that and how they got to address that. He's doing a great job, I think, in terms of, is he cleaning up GE? He absolutely is. Is he trying to get that balance sheet together? He absolutely is. I think this thing's going to take some time. So if you're buying it right now at 1030, if you really are going to say I'm long term, just put that thing away and let's see where it is in two years. Otherwise, you might be pretty angry in a couple months from now if it's trading back towards eight, which is what I think we're, we're hearing from Tusa. He's still sticking with a six dollar price target. And let's be honest, he's been right more more than wrong than more so than anybody. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're in so, it. I, I I hear you, Pete, on you don't want to wait around for this, but when the guy tells you that we could be free cash flow positive on our industrial business in 2020, the market prices that in now. And, and, and I think we still have to you know, follow through and see what's going on there. But when you layer in the Wabtech sell-off, uh, the fact of the matter is Baker Hughes is hanging in there, picking up value every day on a sum of the parts. Um, I, I think 
look, Larry Culp has moved a lot faster than anybody thought he would. And in fact, what he just said, that was as confident as I've heard a GE chairman and a long, CEO in a long time. And, and I think his last statement two weeks ago before then we got the interim statement that seemed muddled and confusing was also very confident, talking about the div coming back at some point. That sends a message of stability. That's what people want with GE. Free cash flow positive for the industrials, which I think they were in 2018. Obviously, 19 is a disaster, so they're just getting back to where they were, which, which is fair. And I do think he's making great strides. But to Pete's point, the J.P. Morgan analyst has been steadfast in his belief that we go back and see six bucks. If you believe, Mr. Culp, if you absolutely believe that in 2020, 2021, that's where the company's going to be, it's probably, and Tim would agree, this is probably an 18 to $20 stock, if you believe everything he said. Do you believe everything I he says? I, not that he's lying. I just right, don't right. think they get there. So I, think it, I do think it retests levels we saw a few months ago. So, you know, they sell this life science business. The stock gaps up. It's trading $12.50. People couldn't sell it fast enough. I mean, like, you, know, you know, it was just kind of interesting, and it gave back it all the gains. No, I, I understand. I but what I'm saying, on that gap, it, it did. It was up 20% in the pre-market or something like that. It opened up there, and then it sold off 25% over the next week or so. So, I, I mean, listen, I do think that there's probably more news headlines. I think you sell the news headlines, and you look for an opportunity when there's a bad news headline to get back in somewhere in the single digits. All right. Well, of course, you don't want to miss Jim Cramer's full interview with Larry Culp, the CEO of GE. That's tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Mad Money. We've got a news alert on the college cheating scandal that is rocking the country. Let's get to Seema Modi in the newsroom for all the details. Seema. Hey, Melissa, that's right. Bill McGlashan has been terminated for cause by private equity firm TPG. This is following uh, McGlashan being charged in the alleged college hearing scandal. We just got a statement from TPG's spokesperson who says Bill McGlashan has been terminated for cause for his positions with TPG and Rise, effective immediately after reviewing the allegations of personal misconduct in the criminal complaint. We believe the behavior described to be inexcusable and anti-ethical to the values of our entire organization. And as we stated in the previous announcement of Mr. McGlashan's administrative leave, Jim Coulter will take over managing partner responsibilities for TPG growth and rise. As we get more, Melissa, we'll bring it to you. But again, McGlashan terminated for cause by TPG. All right. So uh, thank you very much, Seema. The ramifications of this continue. Remember, we had uh, Manuel Enriquez. He stepped down from his position as head of Hercules Capital, um, a BDC company. Uh, So I don't even know where to go with this. I mean, this is just it's rippling throughout the business world. I mean, you think it's just a salacious headline? And it, and it really gets your goat. I mean, it gets mine, this whole thing. But, I mean, it really is impacting our world here. Yeah, I, I, look, there, there's, a, there's a public outcry when we hear stuff like this. And, and the reality is that a lot of these folks are very privileged and they come from positions of influence. And they're using that influence and they're using money behind it. Um, this is... You know, it's it's the same way that I think people who work on Wall Street at hedge funds want the SEC to be on the case and to be actually very active and, and not have people cheating. Um, I think that's the message here. And I think obviously there's been a very uh, significant response, both from the legal community and, and society. And I, I'm, I'm very much in favor of that. Uh, the irony of, of Bill McGlashan is that at TPG, he was, he was running an ESG fund. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that... That didn't, the irony. The That's not lost right, here. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, exactly. of all people. The yin to his yang. Maybe it helped him anyway. sleep well at night. I mean, you know, yeah. we all do what we can do. All right, we are just hours away from Tesla's launch of the Model Y, and Gene Munster says there are three key things he's watching ahead of the event. He'll join us to tell us what they are. Plus, check out shares of Snap. Stock is up double digits today, and it's now up more than 100% this year. See why one trader thinks it has more room to run. He'll uh, tell us just how high he thinks the stock can go. Ahead on Fast Money. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. Almost four years after Elon Musk first teased the Model Y in a tweet, which he immediately deleted, we are just a few hours away from the big unveil at Tesla's design studio in Los Angeles. This is all happening at a time when shares are struggling, down more than 12% this year on the back of unsatisfactory delivery numbers and a seemingly endless executive exodus that continues to plague the company. A new CFO was appointed just today. In addition, Elon Musk is involved in a seemingly never-ending battle with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So will the Model Y be the boost that Tesla needs? Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster is in L.A. to give us a lowdown of what to expect. Gene, always good to see you. Um, at some Hi. other point in time, an unveil of an SUV would have been huge for Tesla. But at a time when there are questions about whether or not this company can fully ramp Model Y, at a time when the company still hasn't gone into production for a semi-truck, which it accepts deposits for, I, I don't know. Is this going to move the needle or just going to cause more concern about the story? Unless it's unlikely that tonight is going to move the needle. I think it's pretty well uh, framed in here. The Model Y, what it looks like, the probably $40,000-ish price point. So you're exactly right. Is This has become a show-me story. Now, I'd say that the intensity level around that has only picked up in the last uh, month. I think that this uh, really... Uh, almost like vortex of believers that think that this story is going to end in the next uh, 6 to 12 months has, has picked up some steam. I disagree with that. I think that the Model 3, the Model Y is in fact important to the story and should be noteworthy tonight for this simple reason. It doubles their addressable market and uh, will, uh, albeit it will take them probably two years to really ramp production to get there. But doubling addressable market in what is, in fact, an undeniable tech trend in electric vehicles, I think, is, uh, is important. And one last piece that will likely get glossed over tonight. But mm -hmm. as you dig through the specs of, of this vehicle, and I, they have been late on getting vehicles out but have accurately uh, predicted their specs, I think what you will see is Tesla's advantage that they have against other car manufacturers in terms of efficiencies of range, for example, and the price points. So there is some real substance here. I believe it will get glossed over. I think most investors are hyper-focused on what their, uh, their deliveries are going to be for the March quarter they'll come out with in the first week in April, coming up here in sure. a few weeks. Um, now, you mentioned that it d doubles the total addressable market, but there are a lot of competitors specifically within this space, and, and Tesla's not going to produce this car for another year or so. In the meantime, BMW will come out with its X3 compact SUV in 2020 as well, so the same time frame as Tesla. Mercedes will have its all-electric EQC later this year. I mean, at, at this point in time, is, is the competition more of a, of, a, of a threat to the story than maybe it was two years ago? Competition is not Tesla's biggest problem. Tesla's biggest problem is... Is itself? Uh, what, uh, well, is itself, exactly. Is uh, uh, Elon is, is their greatest asset, but also the biggest risk. But just to put the, per, the competition quickly into perspective, Melissa, is that these other car manufacturers aren't even close when it comes to price. And separately, I mean, we're talking about orders of magnitude 30, 40, 50% more expensive. And second is that they're essentially vaporware right now. Tesla actually had 80% market share in electric vehicles. And so there is something to be said about the substance. Um, and, and I think if you talk to Tesla owners, I'm not a Tesla owner, but uh, yesterday a Tesla owner told me that uh, he feels lucky uh, that he's able to even access this kind of technology. I think it's hard for non-Tesla 
uh, people to understand what this car actually is. And so the other car companies don't have that. One other thing that I think is important to point out, I want to make sure that we, we capture here, is that there's a case, there's a story out there that Tesla is announcing Model Y to generate pre-orders and taking those uh, pre-order deposits to basically fund some sort of cash problem. We think that they'll probably generate around $350 million this month in, in pre-order, uh, but that is uh, probably going to be offset by, inevitably, there are going to be some other Tesla potential buyers that are going to hold off. And if 5% of Tesla owners simply hold off, then it's a net wash. So this idea that Tesla is doing this Model Y event in desperation to generate cash is likely not the case when you factor in they're going to also have, this will also have a negative impact on Model 3 sales. Are you saying 5% of Tesla holders will hold off because they were intending to buy another vehicle? And so therefore, I mean, then you're talking about the issue of cannibalization amongst its fleet. Right, yeah. I think this is coming That's from, this announcement is coming from a whole, <laughs> whole other problem. But I think that it is coming from, just to be clear, from a point of strength. I think that the reason why they're doing this is they feel good about Model 3 demand. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, even with this uh, cannibalization factor, I think that they'll be hit, hit those numbers that Elon talked about, uh, kind of this three to 500,000 number for Model 3 for, for 2019. But the reason why I came up, uh, mentioned that 5% number, just to give uh, viewers some sensitivity, that just if you take 6% uh, away from that, uh, that offsets this cash uh, benefit. And so I just wanted to illuminate that, uh, mm -hmm. that conversation about uh, why sure. they're doing this. Okay, Gene, always great to see you, thank you. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures in Los Angeles ahead of the event. I have a question for you. Mm. More bullish or less bullish with the unveil of the Model Y? In that, does Tesla need another vehicle to try and push out production-wise at this point They're in never going to build it. Do you think they're never going to build it? Okay, oh, you're, you have been, you have been a Tesla bear for... A long time. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I think this is a distraction. I think there's a lot of bad things going on at the company. This, this, this Model Y unveil is another thing to talk about. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. A guy who's been bullish and bearish and at various wrong, points in time. Wrong, at right, various wrong, points right. in time. So, you know, More wrong, right than wrong, honestly. Maybe, honestly, but there's a good cool. show on in the morning. I believe it's from 6 to 9. It's called The Squawk Box. Squawk Box. Are you familiar with that? Of course the Squawk I am. Box. And I've, Ron Barron was on this morning. This morning, yes. It was waxing poetic. Well, he's been a long-time investor. His About. cost basis is, is Let's see, very his low. His cost base anyway. would close today. With that said, he sure. paints a very compelling argument to the upside. So, listen, a couple weeks ago before I went on my hiatus to Bermuda, which is beautiful, by the way. I encourage your all you folks to lovely. go there. Thank you very <laughs> much. cold this time of year, no? A little windy, actually. <laughs> okay, but, you know, anyway. Sorry. I thought at 305, remember the headlines came out. I thought, you know what, the stock should be bought here. It's going back to that 350 level, clearly wrong. But, you know, again, 275, like a rocket holds and bounces. So people say play with options. He's been correct. I think he stayed long here against 275. All right, coming up, check out shares of uh, two software giants, Oracle and Adobe, both falling after reporting earnings moments ago. We'll tell you what is behind the moves in these stocks. Plus, Snap stock has doubled already this year. Now a longtime Snap bear says the stock is a buy. Is this the signal that the social stock's worst days are behind it? Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert. Shares of Oracle volatile after hours. That earnings call wrapping up uh, just now. It is now down about 4%. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco to tell us what the CEO had to say about the quarter. Hey, Josh. So, Melissa, Larry Ellison on the call, calling out a big cloud rival. Take a listen. Our infrastructure technology is highly differentiated from AWS. Each one of our, our cloud computers has a separate security processor and memory 
to insulate customers from intruding upon each other. And it also makes our cloud control code inaccessible by customers. No other cloud services provider offers this kind of protection across their entire public cloud. So you hear Mr. Ellison there trying to sound this bullish tone, but you know we started the call, Melissa. We were roughly flat, and now you can see we're going lower. Uh, CEO Safra Katz, um, in terms of Q4 revenue growth, she said to expect zero to negative two percent in U.S. dollars. I was just going back and forth with uh, Steve Koenig from Wedbush, who covers the name, and he does say that was not as good as some had hoped for uh, in terms of EPS. Uh, Safra Katz saying to expect 105 to 109 uh, again in USD. Mark Hurd talking about a good solid quarter, the quality of bookings. He rattled off some key customer wins, talked about a growing relationship they have um, with Gap. But again, you can see the stock heading lower. And we'll end here on Adobe, also heading lower in the after hours. Uh, did report uh, 171 on $2.6 billion. Analysts have been looking for 162 on $2.55 billion, But that company did issue weak guidance. Melissa, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Josh Lipton. Um, Dan, I know you like software names. Well, here's the thing. When you have a stock that's outperformed the broad market, like Oracle and Adobe, for that matter, um, in two 2019 and off the lows from December, what are you expecting into a print like this? So they put up a good result and they got it down a little bit. So, you know, Oracle trading about 14 and a half times next year's um, expected earnings growth of low single digits and sales growth in the mid to high single digits seems cheap to me, especially the way they've been buying back stock. So if you see this thing materially below 50 tomorrow, I think you buy it. And Oracle up 18% year to date, right? So it's had this great run that you're talking about. I love the fact that Ellison's talking about how, what a differentiator they, they are in the cloud space versus everybody else, specifically AWS. He seemed like an attack dog. Seemed like, like Larry Ellison was the old guy who really wants to get after things once again. I think that's a good sign. Now, guidance being a little bit weaker, that's a little bit puzzling to me, but I think this is a name to Dan's point. On a pullback, you get around 50, I think it's a great buy. All right, from software to social, check out Snap uh, soaring double digits today after a long time bear BTIG upgrading shares to a buy, highlighting advertising growth and improved in-app content and slapping a fresh $15 price target on the stock. And as Rich Greenfield said in his note, after seemingly everything that could go wrong has gone wrong over the last couple of years, Snap is now up more than 100% in 2019. And Dan, you saw some interesting options activity. Yeah, so call volume was like five times that of average daily volume and three times that of put. So they just went absolutely crazy today on this call. The stock broke out of this range. It's been in, like you said, Mel, it's up 100% off those lows. It had a huge rally after their Q4 results where some of those metrics are getting a little better here. There was one trade that caught my eye. Largest trade of the day. It was uh, when the stock was trading about 11 bucks. It was a buy of 6,500 to open of the October 11 calls, paying $1.85 for those. Those break even up at 12.85 on October expiration, um, up about 16%. You know, that sounds like a lot, but it's all the way out to October. When you see a stock moving around like this, that's one way to define your risk. Look at that chart right there. Since its IPO, you know, you could draw a line from the all-time highs, the highs last year, to where the stock is right now. If it gets above that downtrend, it could be off to the races. All right. For more options action, check out the full show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, shares of Ulta jump after hours on an earnings beat. We'll tell you what Wall Street had to say about the beauty company's results. You're uh, watching Fast Money here at the Times Square at the Nasdaq Market Site. We have much more shows straight ahead.
Welcome back to Fast. We've got an earnings alert on Ulta. Shares of the beauty retailer jumping in the after-hour session, now trading at all-time highs. Kate Rogers back at headquarters with the latest from the conference call. Hey, Kate. Hey, Melissa. That's right. The stock higher just under 4%. Ulta posting a very strong fourth quarter, a beat on EPS. Revenues coming in right in line. Same store sales blowing past expectations at 9.4% compared to estimates of 7.9%. Kylie Jenner's line, Kylie Cosmetics, also continues to be a popular boost to Ulta's business. To update you on Kylie Cosmetics, which launched in mid-November, we experienced very strong sell-through on the 28 lip products we offered, and were essentially out of stock for a few weeks at the end of the quarter. This popular brand clearly drove store traffic and new customer acquisition, with an uptick in younger, more diverse guests. Product began flowing back into the stores in late January, and we're currently in a much better in-stock position. And CEO Mary Dillon, who you just heard from there, will join Squawk Box exclusively tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Kate, thank you. Now, beauty stocks have been turning heads this year. Uh-huh. Nice. As of the nice. close, shares like of that. Cody surging nearly 68%, Ulta up 28%, Estee Lauder up 23%. So are these makeup stocks ready for some more gains? Uh, Tim? Well, I tell you what, uh, I, I do think that if you look at the valuation here on Ulta, it's, it's not terrible. Uh, I'll leave aside the exfoliators and, you know, this and that. But the, 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 Yeah, I mean, Ki- Kylie bars. is gold, obviously, for Ulta, and, and I'm not <laughs> joking about that. In other words, this, the power of this, of this demographic, and this is truly where you're seeing the growth in the multiple purchases, et cetera. So I think you stay in this trade. Look, 320 on this stock was a very serious level of resistance, and, and, and actually, if they break through there, I would watch it. But I, you know, I'd, I'd watch this tomorrow as well. I see how you want to stay out of this conversation. You're looking. No, around, I'm in it. I'm actually in it. Here's uh, why. You, you put up the names that are in this world. Yeah, yeah. Cody had some great option activity just about two weeks oh, ago. Right. I am in it right now. I'm waiting for this thing to move. Maybe it gets pulled up with Ulta. But this is a space that you've got unbelievable numbers, unbelievable margins. So I like this space. Yeah. When, P- when Pete says Cody, what do I think of? Cody! Exactly. Regis Feldman. Oh, Regis. Oh, Regis. Regis. watching right now, yeah. number one. Number two, valuation for Alta is not crazy. No. Look at their merchandise inventory, up 10% on sales growth of almost 20%. means margins are going to hang in here. Tim pointed out the level. I think it goes higher from here. And a shout-out to Jim Cramer's 14... 14- Jim Cramer's 14th anniversary today. Why do I bring it up? Because he's talked about these stocks with this whole selfie generation. You got to look good. And he's been spot on. Which is a philosophy I don't subscribe to. I'm not saying you have to. But in terms, but I think that's a good point in terms of this generation how these well, what, stocks are doing. What did she just say, uh, the CEO? She said a younger, more diverse. diverse. Um, and you know, yeah. when I think about that, uh, you know, I'm like our chief beauty correspondent here. That sure. clearly, clearly. clearly. No, clearly. I, have, I have 13, yeah. 13 and 15 year old daughters, <laughs> and they're doing direct to oh, consumer, and then are. the social media combination. That's what Glossier is so doing. All these guys that's get what disrupted? they're going to have. They're going to be disrupted by Glossier, no doubt about it. But they're going to try to have to copy them in the hmm. meantime. Self-proclaimed right. chief Glossier. beauty well, expert. You know, oh, really? I know exactly. <laughs> Final trades next. <laughs> Time for the final trade, Pete. Time to stick with the gambling. Las Vegas Sands, giddy up. Tim Seymour. We spent a lot of time on Apple and where it may be actually starting to make a move higher. Remember, the sentiment on the stock on the street is extremely low. The valuation is defendable. I like it, Apple. Dan Nathan. Uh, yeah, Oracle. If it gets messy tomorrow, below messy. 50, I think you start to pick at it on the long side. You know, there are a lot of things hard to believe, Mel. That so shirt, tie this shirt tie, I don't have collar stays <laughs> in. This Those collars are hard to believe. A couple mess. things. Can you believe that I have a 20-year-old son? Well, happy birthday, Tim Adami. Oh, 20 oh, today. Happy, happy 14, Jim Kramer. 
and Devin Energy. Pete saw some options activity. Giddy up. Yeah, that does it for us here at Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. 14th anniversary show at Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.